Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Well, welcome everyone. This is episode 35 of The Kick, isn't it, Pat? Welcome, everybody. (laughs) And today we thought what we'd do is uh, epilepsy in pregnancy, which is uh, yet again another request from actually many listeners. And I'm sad to say that probably the very first listener, she's probably had her baby by now. Probably. I think that um, it's been really interesting to me just how many people have asked this one to be covered. Yeah. And I've learned something. I didn't know quite what the incidence was in our community of people who are on anti-epileptic drugs yeah. or just how many people, uh, you know, in Australia each year are pregnant who also have epilepsy. Yeah, that's right. And so it may not be... Um Everybody's listening, but for those people that do have epilepsy, I, I think, you know, we're really going to cover a lot, so it'll be gold. Good. I want to start with a, uh, a lovely review, and it's from Mrs. M, uh, five stars. She's gone, what a great podcast. I started listening to this podcast during time of trying to conceive, and in February of this year, we did just that. After two and a half years, and at almost age 40, it was quite incredible. I have enjoyed all these episodes, and they have given me many topics to discuss with my obstetrician and opened up a line of appropriate questions. I look forward to the episodes to come and the knowledge that I will be able to take with me into the hospital with me in early November. Isn't that fantastic? That's a really great point. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this is that because she feels educated and informed, she's able to talk to her caregivers at a better level. Yeah, and it's it's really back to that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So if you don't know what questions to ask, then you're never really going to get the answers that you actually need in the heat of the moment. So if you're being prepared and and going into that labour prepared. That's, oh my God, that's a big tick for us, isn't it? Absolutely. We get all excited. I'm looking across at you, Patty, and you, (laughs) we're very tired, aren't we? It's been one of those weeks I've been up at night a lot this week. And I don't sleep very well when you're not in the bed. (laughs) (laughs) I was whinging the other day about being up at night a lot. And then I remembered my own advice that I give my, well, I call them junior burgers, the the junior doctors who work at my hospital. Ridiculous hours, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of their supervisor and if they're in obstetrics and they're whinging about being up at night, I always remind them of that classic episode of The Simpsons where the bullies have got two or three of the nerds strung up on a on a fence by their jocks. Oh dear. And one nerd turns to the other nerd and says, This is the life we chose. And, and I just think that that's so true about obstetrics. If you're an obstetrician, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I'm just collateral, right? That's <laughs> how <laughs> oh, you're bad luck. Yeah, that's, you marry an obstetrician. That's the, that's the life you chose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. It's all great. So, all right, let's get on with the program, which is epilepsy and pregnancy. Good. And I'm going to start from this base and say I know 
pretty much nothing about epilepsy. So this is all new to me too. So, Good. Well, yeah. I know more than I used to in yeah. preparation for this because uh, whilst I'm no stranger to managing pregnancy issues for people who have epilepsy and are on anti-epileptic drugs, it was interesting for me to find out in preparation for today's discussion that almost 1% of our population are on anti-epileptic medication. Mm. That seems a lot to me. It does seem a lot, like 1%, 1 in 100. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. And then each year, around 2,000 women in Australia have a pregnancy when they have epilepsy, mm. uh, which is, um, which is again, a, a surprising figure to me. The issue here is that both the condition of epilepsy, but more importantly, the effect of anti-epileptic drugs are highly relevant to women's health from the contraceptive choice right up to the management of pregnancy. And it really needs a sort of a multidisciplinary approach from general practice, in particular in the pre-pregnancy phase, mm. through neurologist for optimum medication choice, which might change over the woman's reproductive lifetime, and of course the obstetrician. Let's say that someone does listen to this episode who doesn't have epilepsy. Could we go back to basics and just sort of say, well, what is the condition? Yeah, well, epilepsy is a neurological condition. It's a very common neurological condition, and it's the most common neurological condition that we deal with in obstetrics. So this will typically be something that the person's had for many years, a neurological disorder that predisposes people to having seizures. And typically, the woman will be on medication that controls those seizures, ideally well. Uh, sometimes control is imperfect. And the medications that the woman might need to control those seizures are complex and have some complex ramifications for, you know, um, gynae and obstetric care. And you mentioned contraceptive. Like if we go back before a person mm, gets um, mm. pregnant, what does a woman who has epilepsy need for her contraception? Yeah, well, one of the first things she needs is something that's really reliable. Mm. So some anti-epileptic drugs affect the metabolism of folate or folic acid mm. such that if the woman became unexpectedly pregnant on those drugs, she might be at significantly higher risk of neurotube defects like spina bifida and encephaly, very serious things. So if she's on one of those medications that affects folate metabolism, she might be better off taking the five milligram folate dose leading up to becoming pregnant rather than the 500 microgram, so 10 times the dose. Oh, wow. And that's why it's quite important, if at all possible, that a pregnancy in someone with epilepsy is planned. Right. Uh, so the first thing that we would want for contraception is reliability. Mm. And some other anti-epileptic drugs also affect the metabolism of contraceptive pills. Oh, wow. So they share a metabolism pathway in the liver so that if the liver is busy with anti-epileptic drugs, then the pill might be abnormally metabolised and less reliable. What about things like the marina or other yeah, contraception? Well, absolutely. So you might go with those instead. Okay. Yeah. So traditionally, women with epilepsy were on a high-dose pill, but they can have their own issues. And marina is probably the ideal, uh, or a copper IUD is probably the ideal contraceptive. Great reliability doesn't rely on someone remembering to take it every day and largely unaffected by this um, issue of metabolism in the liver that the anti-epileptic drugs can provoke. And I, I know you're saying that ideally it's great if, if a pregnancy is planned, but what about if somebody does get pregnant while they're taking the anti-epileptic drugs? Yeah, so that just needs early attention yeah. um, so that ideally we can move perhaps onto a better drug for pregnancy and also 
initiate some surveillance for some of the problems that might have been caused by becoming pregnant on mm. those medications. So straight into GP early and opinion from neurologist and obstetrician nice and early. And I'm imagining someone with epilepsy perhaps has had that from a very early age, but can it develop around the time that you might be getting pregnant? Yeah, sure. So it can it can sort of come on at any time, mm-hmm. and so not every we won't be able to be prepared for everybody. But if we're prepared for as many women as possible, then that's a good thing. And you mentioned that you might change the drugs that they're on during pregnancy. Yeah. So what what happens there? Well, that's where the neurologist comes in. Oh, yeah. And the neurologist will be able to assess that woman's pattern of seizures, what sort of control she's likely to need, and how realistic is it that we can perhaps get that woman off the drugs that are much more problematic in pregnancy onto some of the other ones that are less problematic and still maintain good control. See, the problem is that if we make uh, major changes and the woman starts mm. having seizures, seizures dangerous too if you're pregnant. In what way? Well, the baby is prone to becoming um, potentially affected or damaged from prolonged periods of hypoxia. So mm. if... Not getting enough oxygen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if the woman's having a lot of seizures and there, mm. for example, that results in hypoxia, the woman's having difficulty breathing during a seizure or, you know, God forbid, uh, some sort of accident if you had a seizure driving the car yeah. or um, you know, swimming mm. or in a bath or something like mm. that, then those things are obviously very dangerous for the woman, but also therefore for the baby. Mm. So it's a balance between optimum safety on the medication, mm. but not reducing or stopping medication to the point where the woman have more seizures. Are there better drugs? Yeah, there are yeah. better drugs. And so that's where the neurologist comes in to say, okay, well, are we suitable to changing mm. to a safer drug for pregnancy without promoting more seizures? Yeah, right. Yeah. So what does the woman's team look like in pregnancy? She's got her obstetrician. You know, it would be considered a high-risk pregnancy? I think so, yeah. yeah. And so there's the uh, neurologist, uh, the general practitioner, and then with the obstetrician what we would typically do is our general obstetric care, mm. but also some special things to as surveillance against some of the problems that we see in women on anti-epileptic medications on occasions. So that's those neural tube defects. Mm. Plus, there's a higher risk of other congenital abnormalities, mm. typically cardiac abnormalities and facial clefts. Oh, right. What do you mean by facial clefts? Like, That's um, a cleft lip and palate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So as the obstetrician, what we would do is, is get some nice early scanning done by the best person we know. Right? Yeah. So um, go off to a, a super expert clinic and on the referral, not just please have a look at this baby in the usual way, but this woman's on anti-epileptic medication. Mm. She's at higher risk of a facial cleft. Could you please have a super close look for that? Mm. Mm. What do you mean by heart problems? Like, Oh, you know, cardiac abnormalities where there's holes in the heart and so oh, forth. Oh, yeah. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, so you could be pre-pregnant, 
in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home and you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. So we'll have some Q&As and some lives happening in there. So we really get to interact with you. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. See you in the course. Oh, gosh, some people have a hard time, don't they? Uh, well, yes, but, you know, we're so much better at managing all of these things than we ever were in the past. Yeah. And the key to this is that multidisciplinary approach. Mm. Your obstetrician won't be, is not a consultant neurologist and won't be 100% on top of all the latest developments in an anti-epileptic medication. So you've got to see them as well. Yeah. And I love that point because some people will see, I don't know, a health practitioner from various ilks and it'll that person will deal with it all. However, when it comes to consultants, I see you all the time, like you stick to your knitting. So yes. if this person needs help with a neurologist or a psychologist or a whatever it is, then I think the beauty about the medical system is that everybody sticks to their craft group. Yeah, I think that's right. And then there needs to be someone coordinating that. Yes. And tip that's the role of a good GP. Yeah. And then it's also, I think, the role of a good obstetrician, if you're seeing an obstetrician directly for mm-hmm. your pregnancy, that that person is helping you coordinate those uh, other services. And, for example, coming back to epilepsy for a moment, they're making sure that you are seeing your neurologist mm-hmm. that and that the feedback is coming from the neurologist saying, yes, I've checked the drug levels, it's in the therapeutic range, oh, we're on the best drug we can, we're not having any seizures, carry on. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to folate, does a woman have a blood test to check her levels of folate in the first place or is it just a part of the course that you would be upped? Yeah, so we've discussed this elsewhere for people who don't have epilepsy that the 500 microgram dietary supplement amount is because it's possible but quite difficult to get enough folate from your diet. So to make absolutely sure that we're getting 500 micrograms, which has been correlated with a drop in neural tube defects, mm. a supplement is the easiest and safest way to do that because mm. you can be very confident you're getting enough. And there are some small groups of people who the, their folate metabolism is more complicated, but for most of us, that's the way to do it. Is that that mother... Gene. Yeah, MTHR gene yeah. and and um and people who need their folate in a slightly different form. But remember that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. So for most for most women leading into pregnancy after the contraceptive stops, take start taking an ordinary amount of folate in a pregnancy multivitamin or by itself. Mm. And then again with with people who are on these medications that put them at higher risk, there's a definite benefit by taking 10 times as much. Yeah. Okay, why did they decide on 10 times as much? Probably it's a, a, you know, a round figure that says if you take this much, you, you know, you're very likely to be fine. Right. Mm. Is there a problem with taking too much folate? Well, no, but you just don't need that much. You don't need it. Yeah, okay. so there's evidence that 500 micrograms is enough. Is enough. Good. All right, so... What about like if we've gone through the pregnancy Mm. and all is well and we've got to labour, is there any, like do they need to be induced or is there any sort of interventions or any special needs? It's not, induction probably not, um, especially if the situation is stable, but labour is definitely a danger time for... What about if they have a seizure during labour? Yeah, so the seizures are often provoked in people with epilepsy by tiredness, Mm. pain, exhaustion. 
they're three really common provoking things for a seizure. And labour's all of those things. Yeah. So it might take a long time, first baby, it's painful mm. and it's stressful. It can be stressful. So it's a, a risk time. There's also a problem that in active labour, very active labour, your body naturally shunts blood away from your stomach towards your uterus, which is working very hard. So that's the same phenomenon as like you don't stop for a for lunch in the middle of a marathon. Mm. The absorption from the gut's not very good when you're using all your muscles mm. in your body to run the marathon or your uterus to run the labour. And anti-epileptic drugs given via the stomach, uh, via swallowing the drug, might not be terribly well absorbed in labour either. Yeah, right. So that's a potentially risky situation and we need to be all set up for that. And can you give, like, instead of having it, is it only that pathway? Could you maybe have an IV anti-seizure? There are some IV drugs and that's something that we might even do in conjunction with a neurologist for someone who was potentially unstable. Yeah. And pain can obviously be managed. Yes. And the duration of the labour can be managed. Yeah. And these are some of the situations in obstetrics that get a little complicated because we may wind up interfering a fair bit mm. because the cost of not interfering might be higher. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose that's what this podcast is about. So somebody that perhaps is a first-time mum who has epilepsy going into her labour, it's kind of good to know that you will have potentially higher um, intervention. Well, I think it is. We think it is because uh, none of the interventions are for fun. They're there because we feel that the price of not doing those things could be much higher. And I think if we communicate well with our patients, it's to bring them along with us on that thought process. Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not suggesting that you have an epidural for no reason. Mm. I'm suggesting that you have an epidural because throughout your life with epilepsy, bad pain has caused you a seizure. Mm. And uh, that's all, you know, case by case, isn't it? So yeah. whatever patient, they'll know what their triggers may be or Yeah. So I saw exactly that once a woman who had always had a epileptic seizure in response to severe pain mm. right throughout her life and she had a Seizure in labour. Yeah, wow. And I was the consultant on call and I was called in to assess that situation. And honestly, I, I thought if I'd been involved from, from the beginning the start, yeah. and we'd made a, a better plan for that patient, it might have been that we had acknowledged that, respected that, that that, that pain causes a fit in this woman yeah. and popped an epidural in at the start of the labour. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Or, or at least recommended that. And recommended, that's mm. right. And I think that's everything that we talk about is about increasing someone's satisfaction during that process so they're not blindsided. Like, that's the whole reason we do grow my baby, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. We're trying to help women feel that interventions are not thrust upon them, mm. but to bring them along on, yeah. on say, well, here's, here's why we're recommending this. Yeah. What do you think? And if you agree, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, we can't help (laughs) every medical person's communication or lack thereof, but at least you'll know going in. What about they've had their baby all's well and Mm -hmm. they've started to breastfeed. Does those anti-epileptic drugs, are they problematic for breastfeeding? Some are. Right. So what we might do at that point is, again, in conjunction with our friends, the neurologists, we might change again, Mm -hmm. change the drug again to something that gives us the best breastfeeding safety without compromising the seizure control. Again, it's not an ideal time to have a fit either if you're at no. home at home looking after a baby. Yeah, maybe by yourself. Like you could, you could be imagine. by yourself, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, seizure control is paramount. Mm-hmm. There are safer options. And in conjunction with the neurologist, we'd find one way up that risk-benefit ratio and find the 
best combination. Yes, but it, it is an option available to women who ha- are epileptic to breastfeed if that's what they choose. Yes, with with discussion. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I really hope that that episode has been good for those that have epilepsy. They know they've got epilepsy. They've come into the pregnancy and they're sort of concerned about what their pregnancy and labour might look like. Yeah. Or nerds like us who just like- Like listening. And I know that there are people out there that listen to all our episodes, every single one. Even the ones that don't apply directly to them. I think that's cool. That's- That'd be me. (laughs) If I wasn't an obstetrician, I'd like to think I'd listen anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Well, everyone, have a fantastic week. Hopefully we'll get the next podcast out in a week, not the 10, 12 days that we've been managing. We're trying hard. Thank you for listening, everybody. See you now. 